I knew that I needed to motivate myself daily because I know that the mind is a muscle that needs exercise daily like the body. We always have a choice, not about what happens to us, but how we decide to react to what happens. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. Normally I talk about trips in the past, times as a tour guide, but many of you have asked me to tell my COVID-19 story. So here it is, brace yourselves because it's a long story. During the Christmas holidays in 2019, I decided to take a trip to Argentina in March 2020. Our daughter Natalie was planning to travel through or work her way through South America as part of her gap year after she had graduated from one of the best hotel schools in the world, from the École Hôtelière de Lausanne. And she had already been to Georgia, Armenia, and she had spent a month in Iran. And I was going to go and join her and her boyfriend, Sammy, but that hadn't worked out. So when I heard the news about South America, there was no way that I would miss this opportunity. It was like the universe was giving me a second chance and I booked a flight a few days later and immediately started looking forward to bustling Buenos Aires and the beautiful vineyards in Mendoza with view of the Andes and of course all the food and all the wine that I was going to be eating and drinking. Now let's take a few steps back. At the beginning of February, I attended a conference in Berlin where people were already starting to talk about this new virus that was making the rounds. I didn't pay much attention to it at the time, writing it off as fear-mongering. There have been so many seemingly similar threats like SARS and MERS and Ebola that I never bothered with, so I ignored this one as well. However, when my beautiful friend Judith had to cancel her birthday trip to China and we started seeing the first few cases here in Cyprus, I began to realize that this could be something bigger. But I wasn't going to Asia, I was going to South America and they hardly had any cases there, right? Canceling my trip never crossed my mind. When I left Cyprus on the 11th of March, I even thought that by the time I come back, two weeks later, this whole thing would have blown over. I had no idea what I was getting myself in. In any case, and with all worries aside, I set off for my long trip to Argentina. And while I was waiting at the gate in Larnaca, I saw some people wearing face masks. I found the whole thing a little exaggerated. But in the meantime, I had already also found out that Switzerland had quite a lot of cases. And instead of taking the train to Zurich during my stopover, I asked my son to meet me at the airport for dinner because I had quite a lot of time to spend. And what better way to spend time than with my son, who I love so much. When we parted, I felt so good about having seen him and knowing that he was enjoying what he's doing. And when I was on my own again, 
I checked my departure gate and as I walked towards the passport control, I realized how awfully quiet Zurich Airport was on this usually busy Wednesday evening. I knew this airport so well, having been a tour guide for 11 years and it being my home airport. But I had never seen it like this. Not even after the Swiss Air grounding in 2001. And this quietness somehow gave me a very uneasy feeling. But once I had reached the business class lounge and found a nice glass of wine, my anticipation of being in Buenos Aires the next morning and being able to hug my beautiful daughter made everything better. The 15-hour flight with Edelweiss Airlines was a real treat. Amazing dinner, wonderful service, and some great movies. After that, I slept like a baby for most of the night and woke up to a lovely breakfast shortly before landing. I noticed that we were flying over the Rio de la Plata and I remembered that I had been in this area many years before when I was a tour guide. This made me even more excited about arriving in Argentina again. After we landed, we were informed by the pilot that there would be a health inspector visiting the plane and pick up the forms which we had to fill out and on which we had to declare that we had no symptoms. Finally, after about an hour on the ground, we were allowed to leave the plane and walk through a corridor where everyone's temperature was taken. The whole procedure did not feel entirely comfortable and the looks received from the nurses made it even clearer. We were not welcome because the Europeans were the ones who brought the virus. I took a cab from the airport and arrived at the hotel exactly at the same time as Natalia and Sami. I was so delighted to see them. And we had a reunion in the middle of the street. At that time, hugging was not such a taboo yet. So we thought nothing of it. I changed into summer clothes and off we went to explore. It was a beautiful summer day. We walked, we laughed, and I had a beautiful time before having a drink on the rooftop bar at the hotel. And that's also where Sammy taught me to say, the only Corona I know has a lime in it. After that, we had a lovely dinner out and went to sleep after a perfect first day in Buenos Aires. However, on the morning of the next day, which was Friday the 13th, we heard on the news that the following Monday, 16, three days later, Argentina would close its border and not allow any more planes from Europe to land. Now, my return flight was supposed to be two weeks later, and I started getting a little nervous, but I wasn't sure yet. It dawned on me even more when our walking tour guide, we went on, we had booked a walking tour in La Boca, he read a decree from the Argentinian government at the beginning of his explanations that things were getting serious. And I spent the rest of the walking tour on the phone, trying to find out if my flight was still on, but I never managed to get in touch with Swiss Airlines. 
I was hoping that maybe they would send an empty plane to fly us home. And after a few stressful hours, we returned to the hotel to have a better internet connection. And I impulsively booked another flight for Monday, the last day before the country would close down. This calmed me down a bit. And even though I was disappointed that I had to cut my trip short and especially canceling the trip to Mendoza, later on we went to San Telmo Market in the afternoon and had some tapas and a glass of wonderful Malbec. And the world already looked a little better. We walked around San Telmo for a while and ended up on a square with several open-air restaurants. And to no surprise we got to be spectators of a wonderful tango performance. We started talking to Galletita, the dancer, who I'm now friends with on Instagram. And I also had my tarot cards read by a passing by tarot reader. And she told me that I will have to go through some rough times before running into a huge success. We had a little more wine and nearly forgot that our plans for a fun excursion to the Andes wouldn't be taking place. Unfortunately, I couldn't help but check the airline's website while we were at the table and to my absolute horror I read that the Monday flight, the new flight that I had booked, had been cancelled. I wanted to start crying, or maybe I even did. And I suddenly started picturing myself being stuck in Argentina for months without being able to go anywhere and without knowing anyone except Natalie and Sammy. And of course, they wouldn't have been the worst company, but what were we supposed to do for all this time? And what about my home and my husband? After these news, the magic of the evening was gone. We went back to the hotel and I tried to sleep before waking up a few hours later with a million thoughts going through my head and picturing all sorts of obscure scenarios. I needed to get in touch with Swiss Airlines. And suddenly it dawned on me that I needed to use my connections. What are friends for, if not to get you out of Argentina, right? I remembered that my friend Ruth's husband had senator status with Miles and Moore, the Star Alliance bonus system, and that they must have a different phone number. Maybe she could get through to them from Switzerland. So I called her my time very early in the morning and told her my sorrow. And she immediately offered her help and called me back to tell me that it's not confirmed that this flight was cancelled, the one that I had booked. So I calmed down again, tried to go back to sleep, and just before I closed my eyes, I saw my phone screen light up with a text message from Swiss Airlines telling me that the flight is cancelled. So it was like a roller coaster ride of hope and disappointment, which changed every 15 minutes. So it was time to call Ruth again and ask for more help to get out of Argentina as soon as possible. I was prepared to fly anywhere and to pay any price for it. Ruth obliged and within about 15 minutes, a wonderful Swiss agent had found me a flight for the next day, Sunday, via Sao Paulo to Zurich. 
I was so relieved and at the same time so sad that I was only able to spend four days with my girl. I also didn't trust anyone on those flight confirmations anymore, thinking that those flights could just as well be cancelled again. I just had to hope for the best and enjoy the last day which I could spend with Natalie and Sammy. Even though I'm not so much of a meat eater, I was not going to leave Argentina without having a steak. So we spent a wonderful evening at La Cabrera and I had probably one of the best steaks in my life. A lot of wine, got lost in conversation, forgetting the situation for a while. I didn't sleep much that night because I was anxious about getting to the airport and I also feared that my LATAM flight would be cancelled or overbooked or God knows what or late. I'm normally a very positive person, but difficult situations sometimes can test this too. Natalie and Sammy accompanied me to the airport and of course I insisted to go early. I always go to the airport early. People laugh at me about it, but this time I went even earlier. I didn't want to be the last one to check in and then be told that the flight is overbooked. But I had no reason to worry. However, everything happened in a very civilized way. My suitcase got checked in all the way to Zurich. And I was only missing my second boarding pass from Sao Paulo to Zurich. We said our goodbyes and I left them with a good feeling because they're very capable and level-headed young people and I never worried about them. After passport control and some more temperature taking, I began to relax. And when they started boarding the flight on time, I knew that things were going to work out. The flight was packed to the brim and as if everyone wasn't anxious enough, we also had the most crazy turbulence and at some point I thought that the plane was going down and I thought how ironic I'm escaping from a pandemic I have to leave a country after three days and now I'm dying in a plane crash but I didn't so shortly before landing in Sao Paulo I noticed the most amazing rainbow from above it was mesmerizing and I was glad when we finally landed and when I wanted to go through security, transit security, I remembered that I didn't have a boarding pass for the next flight. To my great relief, there was a young lady in a uniform at the security check. And when I asked her about getting through without the boarding pass, she said, I am here to help you. At this moment, I realized what this phrase can mean to someone, just the words, I can help you. And even though the airport in Sao Paulo is absolutely humongous, I had already noticed the Swiss airplane parked on the tarmac. And I don't think I ever felt more relieved to see that white cross on the red wing. My plan was to fly to Switzerland, stay for a couple of days at our apartment in Lucerne, and then fly back home to Cyprus. And as I was sitting there, looking at my phone, I noticed a WhatsApp message which had come from my friend Christina, telling me that Cyprus had just changed the rules. All passengers arriving 
would be required to have a coronavirus test and would have to go into a two weeks government-imposed quarantine in a hotel. My heart sank. That was the last place I could see myself being after my ordeal. But first I needed to get to Switzerland and then see from there. I decided to buy myself a business class upgrade at the gate for this 13-hour Swiss flight and I went to the lounge for a drink and to make some phone calls. I arranged to meet Alexi, my son, at Zurich Airport and go to the apartment together. So I already had something to look forward to. When this plane finally took off, I knew that I would at least end up in one of my two homes and I was so relieved that I started crying. I was looked after by a wonderful flight attendant, a French lady who lives across the border from Switzerland. And she wasn't sure if she would be able to go home to her family. There were so many stories of people who didn't know what was going on and how long this nightmare would last. Nobody was sure about anything anymore. I had a whole road to myself and after a lovely dinner, I went to sleep and woke up over the Alps, feeling the same feeling I had felt when I looked down at that rainbow in Sao Paulo, knowing that as long as we are alive, there is always hope. And after landing in Switzerland on that Monday morning, I picked up my luggage, met Alexia at the car rental desk, and off we went to our Swiss home. I was tired and relieved to finally be back in Europe, at least. We went grocery shopping, had a chat with the neighbors, and then Alexi cooked a nice dinner for the both of us. And I was just grateful that everything had gone so well and that I was I had my own place to stay. I had gone past a doctor's office near our home, a doctor that I know, and asked if I could get a coronavirus test. And I was told that it's impossible. Only people who were sick were tested at the time. That meant that going back to Cyprus would be impossible. I tried to listen to the news as little as possible. I only heard that the Swiss population was reassured that there would be no food shortages and that the supermarkets were all well stocked. It sounded like during a war. I spoke to my husband who was on his own in Cyprus and we agreed that it will probably be for the best if I stayed for the time being. On Wednesday, I drove my son back to Zurich because that's where he was studying and where he lives. And I went back to my apartment and realized that after having traveled around the world in five days, I was finally alone. In the meantime, the Cyprus government had waived the coronavirus test because it was impossible anywhere to get one and people were complaining. My husband told me on the phone that the first people were quarantined somewhere in the mountains and that they were complaining because they had to share rooms and did not get proper food, which put me off returning home even more. On Thursday morning, I read somewhere that Cyprus was also going to close the airport. And somehow I started having the same feeling that I had in Buenos Aires a few days before, fearing that it would be a very long time until I could go back home. I sent an email to the Cyprus permanent representative at the United Nations in Geneva. 
And to my big surprise, I received a phone call only about half an hour later and spoke to a very nice gentleman who was kind and helpful. And within a very short time, I had a permit to enter Cyprus. I am a Cypriot citizen and had not been away for more than two weeks, so I was qualified. Now I had to take an executive decision and find a flight because there was not much choice anymore. I will never forget standing on my balcony in the Swiss sun, wondering what to do. I needed to try my luck, and I needed Ruth and her airline connections again. I knew that there were seats on a flight from Munich to Larnaca, but the problem was getting to Munich. But Ruth found a flight for me, again. With a four hours layover in Munich, I was going to go home, but with a short two weeks detour called quarantine. And the location for my two weeks stay was unknown and would most likely be in the mountains, where it had just recently snowed, I had heard. Obviously, I had only taken summer clothes to Argentina with me, but thank God I had some warm stuff in my apartment in Switzerland. So I packed for my adventure, and I needed to leave home again at four o'clock in the morning, because my flight from Zurich to Munich left at seven. And once again, I had the suspicion that it may be overbooked. I arrived early at the airport in Zurich and again, it was very empty. The Swiss check-in, which is normally annoyingly long, had only three people waiting. I checked in, got both my boarding passes to Munich and to Larnaca, went through passport control and security within two minutes got myself a fruit salad and waited. And the flight from Zurich to Munich was packed. I started speaking to people. There was a family behind me with two small children who were returning from New Zealand and they had been traveling for 40 hours. One thing which I noticed was that everyone was friendly and everyone seemed to be so relieved to just getting on a plane because all we wanted was to go home. I spoke to some other German ladies who were on their way back from South Africa and they had made it out on their last flight. Everybody had a story. After we landed in Munich, I found out my departure gate for Larnaca and tried to make my way there. And I know the airport in Munich very well, but everything was so complicated because some parts were closed off. I had to go through passport control. And then I was worried that they may not let me enter again. But they did. And I had to wait four hours and I found a place to chill. Normally, I spend my time at airports walking around and shopping a little bit or, you know, whatever, doing something cool. But everything was closed. When the time came, I finally went to the gate for Larnaca and I knew that all the people waiting there would be my quarantine buddies. Everyone knew where our quarantine hotel was going to be, but everybody had a different one. I decided not to listen and believe, as I always do, that everything was going to work out for the best. The plane took off half empty. The Lufthansa flight attendants were very friendly and offered extra wine because they knew where we were going, what was going to happen to us 
once we landed, we were checked by health inspectors again. We had to fill out forms. They measured our temperature. And then we were told to pick up our luggage. And then I noticed some people waiting for us, the people who were going to take us to the bus, to the quarantine hotel. And that's when my tour guide passed, kicked in. I was the first one out chatting to the security people and asking the famous question, where are you going to take us? And the reply was like music to my ears. The man said, to the Aldiana Club. For those who don't know, this is a pretty nice holiday resort on the beach. And that's when I realized that always hoping for the best and for the best possible outcome always works for me. I was among the first 15 people on the first bus and I even felt like picking up the microphone and welcoming everybody on behalf of Kwani Travel like I used to as a tour guide. Off we went along the coast to the, um, it's a place called Alaminos village. And upon our arrival, we were welcomed by the very friendly Aldiana staff. And I was given my key to room 5106, which would be my home for the next two weeks and which would I would not be allowed to leave. We were told the rules regarding our stay, what we were allowed to do, or mostly what we were not allowed to do. I got to my room, it was cold and I was feeling quite down and I knew that I needed sleep because I know that things always look better in the morning. After all, I had made it home and for this I was very grateful. I took a bath and I went to bed. I am a morning person. Things that may look dreary and unsolvable in the evening to me are a piece of cake in the morning. Sometimes I think that I have an inbuilt processing program that sorts out things while I sleep. Some people are night owls that take decisions differently and that's okay. I think it's important that we all find out when we are at our emotional peak. I woke up and took a decision that I was going to make these two weeks productive, positive and empowering. I made a plan, I set some daily goals, which included online exercise classes, getting sun and vitamin D on the balcony, and adding knowledge and value to my job as a life coach. I knew that I needed to motivate myself daily, like I always do, not just in quarantine, because I know that the mind is a muscle that needs exercise daily, like the body. We always have a choice. Not about what happens to us, but how we decide to react to what happens. That's where the power is. So on this first morning of my two weeks, I decided to not only motivate myself, but all the other people I could be in touch with, either by phone, on the internet, or on social media. I knew that many people were scared about what was going on. Nobody knew what was going to happen to them and to the world. Nobody knew how serious this situation would become and how long it would take. As I was sitting there planning my fortnight, I heard a woman screaming outside and my curiosity made me open my balcony door to check. She was having a very loud discussion with a young soldier. The army was on our hotel grounds to make sure that nobody left their rooms. 
They were not holding any machine guns, but the whole thing did feel a little threatening and pretty ridiculous. But apparently they felt it necessary to control us, as it was still early days and people had to get used to this new way of life. The first day went by, I started talking to my neighbors, Kiloni on my left side, Anna and Tassos downstairs, and Poppy from nearby. I started getting busy with all the stuff I had planned for, for the next two weeks. I was in the process of producing a video course for my book, The Soul Kit, and there was much to do. I received a lot of messages and phone calls from people who cared and from some who were curious. One person who called me also made sure to tell me that I was living on taxpayers' expenses. I also knew that many people thought that it served me right to be there and that I should have never gone on this trip. And how dare I be so irresponsible? And this thought alone motivated me to enjoy the whole experience even more. Their negativity did not particularly affect me. It takes a little more to bring me down, being the fighter that I am. I take responsibility for my own actions and I choose how I want to react to situations that present themselves to me in my life. Being controlled by fear is definitely not my thing. And I also know that we cannot protect ourselves from everything. Whether we like it or not, one day we are going to die. But while I am alive, I will choose to do what I want as long as it's legal and doesn't harm anyone. And I hope that those who judge other people make sure that their lives are perfect. The highlight of my first quarantine day was being allowed to go downstairs to have my temperature measured by the people from the Ministry of Health who unfortunately only came once and after that they called us. I was hoping that they would come every day. The service of the hotel was fantastic. The meals were brought to the room door. They even sent somebody to show me how to turn on the TV because I didn't manage. And since Aldiana is a German chain, I found quite a few German-speaking TV channels and watched the German news, which were pragmatic and to the point. Looking at the sea from my balcony and not being able to go and swim was torture. I love to walk and I normally go for a long walk every day, wherever I am. And when I saw two people going past the resort on stand-up paddles, my heart sank and I swore to myself that I will enjoy this even more than I ever did when I got out. The hotel staff of the Aldiana was amazing. Whatever I asked for was brought to my room. A yoga mat, more tea bags, writing paper, and a bag full of goodies with washing powder. And on my third day of confinement, my friend Christina dropped off soy milk and books. And with that, my happiness was complete. I am not very tech-savvy and usually make other people do these things for me, but I realized that I needed to make some mindset adjustments and become familiar with Zoom because the Global Woman Club had organized a tech forum in London and it would all be online. I needed my friend Christina again to teach me an extensive Zoom lesson and prepare me for an event more virtual than life. In the meantime... 
I am seeing all my coaching clients online and have become a digital wizard. I started attending more and more Zoom meetings and felt that the world had come to my hotel room. Around about the same time when I started my quarantine, Cyprus and many other parts of the world had gone into lockdown. People became very insecure and I could sense a lot of fear around me. As a light worker, I realized that I needed to shine my light. If not now, then when? It is easy to talk about positivity and motivation when everything is fine, but it's during challenging times that people like me have to walk their talk. Instead of meditating on my own, which I do every morning, I started recording and sharing my meditations on Facebook. I even snuck out of my room at six o'clock in the morning to have a better view of the beach and caught an occasional sunrise. Meditation reduces stress, and stress is the cause of 90% of modern disease. Every evening at six o'clock, I went live on Facebook and loved it when so many people joined me to say hello. It was like a little quarantine Facebook feel-good party. The recorded meditations, by the way, can still be found on my YouTube channel, and I can highly recommend daily meditations, not only during challenging times, but also for every day, because it affects our health in a very positive way. My two weeks in quarantine just flew by. They gave me the opportunity to think about what is important and what is not, what is worth spending energy on and what not. I did lots of mind work and I was very glad that I could also pass it on to others who needed a little mental support. I will never forget how I felt in the morning of my last day. We were supposed to get breakfast delivered and then the Ministry of Health was going to call us to check our temperature again, give us an exit permit and then we were told that they will drive us home. I had been wondering how that bus would be driving down the road to my house. I was on needles, waiting for the phone call. And at some point when I went out on my balcony, Dassos, my downstairs neighbor, told me that the people from the ministry had arrived and things were moving. I got my call, I got my paper, I walked to the reception to say goodbye to the people from the hotel who had been so kind to me. I left a tip for all the favors. And to my big surprise, there were lots of minibuses waiting outside to drive everyone home. And my query about how the bus not being able to drive down to my road was cleared. I was so happy to finally arrive home after this adventure and I was so grateful that everything had worked out for me. If you enjoy my podcast, please subscribe and share. Tell everybody about it, your friends, your family and the whole world. For more information, please check the show notes.
If you like what you hear and you want to know more about what I do, check out my website www.thesoulkit.com.